Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in the driver's seat as golfers around the world prepare to return to the fairways. Our friends in Victoria here in Australia given the go-ahead to play again this week with parts of the UK also getting ready to tee up in this brave new world. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to dominate headlines across the globe, but of course, the myriad of other social, environmental and economic issues confronting the planet haven't stopped because of the virus. And today, we're going to do one of my favourite things and meet somebody who has not only identified a problem, but is proactively doing something about it and giving the rest of us the chance to do the same. Ed Sanderson of Ocean Tea Golf will join us in just a moment to talk golf, golf waste and the environment. But before that, it's a big hello to a man who's now master of two genuine niche online categories. Adrian Logue's been the go-to voice for golf course path analysis for some time, but he looks to have added another string to his bow recently, releasing a second and equally brilliant logo analysis this week to go with his excellent and cutting look at the player's logo a while back. Logue, congrats on dominating yet another corner of the internet that nobody was competing for. And congrats on another terrific piece. Where do you come up with this stuff, my friend? Thanks, Rod. I thought you were going to go in the direction of dream analyst or something. but uh, I've put that out of my mind. I'm not convinced that was on brand. I get it, and it certainly struck a nerve from the reaction that I saw, but I think your logo stuff's better. I'm just going to come out and say it. Very good. Okay, thanks, Rod. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, a lot. Not many people have read these articles, though. So, you know, I appreciate you pushing them like this. I want to uh, get the word out there. So, I think they're a lot of fun. Well, people should because they are indeed fantastic. Uh, and if, and on the money, and actually say something bigger. They do it in a fun way, but they actually say something bigger and important about the game. So, congratulations for you doing it. Where can people find it, and where can people find you? Uh, just at adrianlogue.com and go to blog. All my articles are there mm-hmm. and a uh, bunch of photo galleries as well and all, all sorts of other stuff. Which are also terrific. You, you take photos of golf courses that I've been to and played that I don't recognise. So you're obviously doing something right there. You make them look uh, fabulous. Uh, where can people find you online and where can people find me online? Uh, so adrianlogue.com for me and you at rod underscore mori on Twitter oh. and TalkingGolf.com, 1G and Talking Golf. 1G and Talking Golf. And where can people buy the best brands in golf apparel? I don't know. I mean, you do know deep that down. you could. I'd, I'd want to know about it. <laughs> That's right. Have a go at the online apparel concept store who are great supporters of us here at both Good Good and the Talking Golf Network, thegolfsociety.com.au. Not only the best brands and prices on clothing, first purchase, simply head to thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash Talking Golf and you'll get a special discount, as Adrian mentioned, just the 1G in Talking Golf. Hugo Boss, Peter Miller, Travis Matthews, shoes from the likes of Nike, Adidas G4. Take a wander around there. I'd be surprised if you don't. Don't find something that you like the look of. That's thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash talking golf. And make sure you look your best when you return to the links. That's the homework out of the way. Now on with today's episode. In an area of not just golf, but society more generally that simmers away and has done for a long time. We all know deep down that much of the, much of how we live is unsustainable and damaging to the environment. Golf has its fair share of issues in this department. But our guest today is one of those annoyingly proactive and optimistic people we should be thankful for, because rather than just worry about it and hope somebody else comes up with a solution, Ed Sanderson got on with solving one of golf's problems himself. The result is Ocean Tea Golf, and Ed joins us now. Joy, Ed, sorry, thanks for taking the time. Am I right? Are you annoyingly optimistic and proactive? You strike me like that, even though we haven't really met properly yet. (laughs) I I may have been described as annoyingly optimistic before, yeah. (laughs) That's definitely true. (laughs) Where does that come from in a world where it's so easy to find the bleak? (laughs) Um, yeah, it's good. But I mean, I'm, <laughs> I suppose I've always been quite, quite positive. Um, I'm very passionate. I, I get very into things, always have done, um, even if they don't end up being that fruitful in the end. So incredibly into my music, but a terrible musician, um, but got very, you know, try, try as hard as I can. <laughs> it's one thing I've kind of always done, but, um, if, if I, if I'm passionate about it, generally I spend a quite a lot of time doing it. Well, welcome to Golf with Open Arms because most of us are passionate and terrible at it. So that's a good combination. You're a part of the uh, you're a part of the herd. There's about one in fifteen thousand people have got any actual aptitude for the game. So good deal. Let's talk about Ocean Tea Golf. I guess the clue's sort of in the title. Now, your particular area of interest is marine conservation. Where does that come from? And then yeah. give us a thumbnail sketch of what Ocean Tea Golf started as and where it's sort of heading. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, my my sort of passions have always been 
you know, marine biology. I've been, um, you know, diving in the ocean and just obsessed with, uh, you know, swimming in the sea from as as young as I can remember. Um, and kind of marine life, I got more and more interested as I was growing up. I ended up studying marine biology and biology at university. Um, I then moved on and worked um, in marine conservation. Uh, so I was lucky enough to live in, in Madagascar on the beach for six months doing sort of coral reef surveys and fish counts. And and, uh, and I did a BTEC in uh, tropical marine conservation uh, on, on a shark study. So it's always been, you know, something I've been absolutely fascinated by um, and sort of something that just makes me, I just find incredibly uh, rewarding, really. Um, but despite saying that, I did end up becoming an accountant for 10 years after that conservation project. So I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I, I didn't stick to it as long as I would have hoped to. Um, but yeah, so Ocean Tea Golf kind of came about um, a couple of years ago now when I was sort of traveling to and from work in London um, every day, commuting for sort of 45 minutes an hour uh, and just thinking about probably those those sunny evenings on the beach in Madagascar and about being by the ocean and, and sort of going back in that kind of direction. Um, my other love has always been sports, any kind of sport. They say I'm an absolute um, sport nut, but golf, I've kind of um, started playing in the last 10 years, uh, completely fallen in love with it. So I was I was thinking of something I could do that kind of brought those two passions together. Um, and this was at the same time that uh, there were lots, well, David Attenborough in particular in the UK was doing a lot of, uh, work on raising the awareness of, of plastic pollution in the ocean, and it was obviously something that I was I was already sort of aware of. Um, so the next time, you know, I was in a pro shop, and I it just looked behind the counter and just saw the teas, uh, you know, the plastic teas packaged up in plastic, and just thought there must be, you know, that's that's pretty ridiculous. There must be something I can do about that. Um, so that's where the initial, you know, the idea came from. I guess was we could maybe build this this golf brand that, 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 that looked at plastic pollution and, and, um, and sustainability more widely and, and see if I could build it. And it'd be a bit of a, you know, a fun project to, to take on. Um, it's always, I guess in, in my head, it was always going to be bigger than the tees. The idea was always to mm-hmm. help to kind of drive sustainability to the forefront of the golf industry. That's our kind of mission statement. Um, and I think, well, there's a few reasons why I'm really passionate about doing it. Um, one is that I get really, really pissed off. Um, sorry, I didn't even uh, allow to That's swear. Okay. The uh, really, well. uh, really, really annoyed with people who have, you know, the old boy's image of golf. Um, if people don't play golf and you're speaking to them about one of your favorite hobbies, you know, pe- people can, you know, judge you a little bit. And I, I think, I think that's, that's ridiculous, but in some ways that kind of old style is, is still there. And I think to promote golf as a forward thinking and modern sport and, and attract a diverse audience, a wide audience, um, and to grow the numbers in the game, you know, we need to show that golf has taken sustainability seriously because it's a key, it's a key issue and, and sort of rightfully so. So that was the other kind of passion behind me doing this. I thought, you know, golf's an incredible game and it's played in some absolutely spectacular locations on some, you know, courses that take up huge areas um, and then could have a really big impact on, on the local ecosystems and why aren't they doing that? And, you know, we should be able to, we should be doing that. We should be showcasing golf as a sustainable sport. Um, so, <laughs> that was the kind of bigger, the wider ambition. Mm. Um, and then I kind of broke that down to what is the first product I can bring to market? Um, you know, what can we make a, a quick light for light replacement of and get plastic off the, off the shelves? Um, and, 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 you know, the tea was that obvious first step. Is there any indication, did you do any research, how many golf tees do we use globally in a year? Do we know? Have we got any idea? And what percentage of those are plastic versus wood, which are still quite popular here in Australia? And are they okay, the wooden ones? Yeah, well, so there's um, difficult to find the exact figures, but uh, one of the biggest uh, tea manufacturers in the world make 1.5 billion tees a year. Wow. Um, which is a lot of teas, <laughs> and of those, at least fifty percent were plastic. Right. Um, so, you know, what's that? Seven hundred fifty million plastic teas a year. Significant. Um, yeah. So, sort of completely, 
unnecessary as well. Um, but then, so you, I mean, you asked a question about hardwood teas. They, uh, they're obviously better than the plastic mm-hmm. teas. Um, a few issues, though, one of which is they usually still come packaged up in a, in a yep. single-use plastic wrapper. Um, the second is that uh, the hardwood forest, you have the issues around uh, sustainable forestry and whether that's being done responsibly. Um, if not, you can have the issues of deforestation and uh, that lead to, you know, the soil erosion, the water runoff and the, and the, and, and the impacts there. So um, that's why looking at my options, uh, there were two things I wanted to address. The first was the packaging. Um, I couldn't believe that there wasn't anybody else doing anything other than just the plastic bag. So that's where the, the matchbox idea came from. Um, and, and the second was to look at, well, do we, you know, do we source um, you know, FSC certified wood to, to make our teas from, and then I kind of came across bamboo. It was being used in a lot of a lot of other applications, such as you know you see bamboo cutlery and bowls and and things like that. So uh, I sort of think, well, why can't we use that for teas? It's a naturally strong, flexible material. Um, it doesn't need pesticides, fertilizers to grow. Um, it grows at enormous enormously fast rates. You can almost see it, can't you? It is is with bamboo. You can almost watch it grow. It grows so quickly, yeah. Yeah. It's like I explain, you know, I say to people, it's, it's, you know, if if, if the conditions are right, um, you can watch your lawn outside grow. You know, in a a day, it's noticeably longer. Um, Yeah, and there's, I mean, some people say that bamboo shoots can grow three and a half feet in a day. Wow. Um, which is pretty mad. So they can also be harvested without damaging the soil. Um, Mm -hmm which means that you're not interrupting the local, um, you know, it's possible for other crops to survive there, other, other insects, other animals, um, without sort of wiping out an area for 20 years while it regrows. So um, it made complete sense from the kind of sustainability point of view. Um, so then it was just trialling and sampling them. And, um, you know, I understood from, from the structure that, it, that they should be technically stronger and more durable than wooden teeth. Um, and they've, they've sort of proven to be that way. And the feedback we've got to date has been great. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a bit, it's been a bit funny because I've spent, um, you know, a significant amount of time, uh, focusing on teas, which I think if someone told me I was going to do five years ago, <laughs> uh, I probably would have laughed at them and thought, have I had a sort of breakdown? But, um, no, it's, um, it's been, it's been a really interesting process, but it's also been almost the perfect first product because, mm. You know, golf clubs are, I found, are very keen to make changes uh, and they're very aware that sustainability is a key issue they should be focusing on. But quite often it is, well, what is that first step? It's all a bit, you know, there's lots of advice out there. What do we do? It's it's quite complicated. Whereas if you go to someone and say, look, first thing first, just switch out all the plastic teas in your golf club and start selling this um, or start giving this away. Uh, as a result of it, your members will start talking. They'll see people ha- you know, holding the tea box on it, holding the matchbox on the first tee, and it sparks that conversation. You know, it gets gets players, members talking about sustainability already, and it makes it easier then for the club to to move on to other bigger areas like, yeah. um, you know, the the water consumption on the site or the fertilizer they're using or the, um, you know, preserving certain areas for certain amounts of wildlife and so on. It makes those conversations, I think, happen more easily, yeah. which is. Um, Again, one of the main aims of this is just to spark that conversation and get people talking about sustainability. You, you've you've touched on a number of issues that I want to unpack, uh, all sort of related <laughs> to this little team. But I wanted to come first back to you, Adrian. You and I, what I would call sort of average golfers, have you ever given a thought to the tea beyond? I don't like plastic teas, so I like to use wood, or I like those big ones that you can buy for your driver, and I use those. Have you ever given the tea much thought? Because I'm thinking while I'm Ed's talking there, for. it's. Yeah. It's an a couple of we- or maybe an unusual thought about teas, but I I, I believe wooden teas and bamboo teas are, are easier on uh, on the mowers. cutting blades yep. of of um, yeah. mowers and things. So, I mean, beyond that, I haven't really thought too much about the function of teas. Um, except in the in the eighties, there was a tea that was indestructible, and that company put themselves out of business. I think, because <laughs> they basically right. sold one to everybody, and <laughs> that was the end of that. And everyone decided that was a terrible idea. Um, but beyond that, I I walk onto a tee and I wonder where do they all go? Where do they end like, up? If, <laughs> yeah. if you know, if when you're in a bunker and you throw some sand up onto the green, 
over the time, there's enough of those little grains of sand that builds up the lip of a bunker. Mm-hmm. Surely with these, <laughs> there's, there's so many little tea fragments that end up scattered all over a tea that were building up teas, but they just seem to disappear. But we, I have no idea where teas go. We it, should need a ladder. Right. To, that's one of the ground should be just covered with little <laughs> fragments of tea, but they're just not. I don't know what happens with them. Well, Ed. But uh, I'm sure Ed's done a little bit of research. Yeah, can you answer? Yeah. And do they end up in the ocean? I want to touch on this plastic in the ocean. I think most people are vaguely aware that there's some issue with plastic in the ocean, but you can perhaps help us understand a little bit how serious that is. And are the teas ending up in there, the tea packaging, are they contributing to that? I mean, we all have way too much plastic packaging in every area of life, not just golf, obviously. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Obviously, if you've got courses on the coast, um, it's much more likely you'll get plastic teas ending up directly in the ocean. Um, We've actually started working with um, a club in the UK called Royal North Devon who've banned plastic teas. And one of the one of the reasons they cited for doing it was that uh, birds were coming and picking up the brightly coloured plastic teas and putting them in birds' nests or dropping them in you know on the beach. And they were having complaints from people walking along the beach saying that they um, you know, they're, they're, they're finding teas dropped everywhere. And it was actually the birds that were picking them up and dropping them, which wow. is which is pretty mad. Mm. Um, a lot of the teas get, or the tea fragments, you know, when when it rains, they get washed away. So they'll either either get sort of buried in the soil, or they'll or they'll run across the surface and end up in, uh, you know, their little streams, or uh, which ultimately end up going into rivers, which ultimately end up going into the oceans, um, or they get chewed up by uh, by the sort of the the machinery, which really annoys the, uh, uh, you know, the the groundsmen there. So. Um, yeah, it's surprising there aren't more scattered around, but I think clubs are doing a, you know, what they can to pick them up, or they're or they're getting moved away by wildlife, or they're just getting washed away. Um, ultimately, with 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 the plastic and the ocean point, um, it, it's it's quite um, staggering, really. I mean, there are lots of facts, and I think people are, you know, a lot of people have heard these, but you know. By 2050, there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish is, wow. is one which gets said a lot. Um, I, I try to put something together for for a, for a sort of golfer um, to, 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 to sort of put it into perspective. So they reckon that 8 million tonnes of plastic end up going into the ocean every year, at, at the moment that is as well. And they expect the amount of plastic being made to double. Uh, by 2030, so uh, by 2050. So y- you can imagine that figure increasing. But 8 million tonnes is still it's a massive number, but it's, it's hard to understand what that is. Um, so I looked at that's actually 175 billion golf balls worth of weight, effectively, that's going into the ocean every year of plastic. Um, again, that's quite hard to put into perspective. So I thought, well, how else can I show you this? Um, so Titleist, each year, make 100 about 150 million golf balls so that means in one year to fill the ocean with the amount of plastic waste that's going in there titleist would have to be in operation for a thousand years so a thousand years worth of titleist golf balls wow. that are going into the ocean every single year which is just plastic um plastic waste so that is the kind of you know I don't know. I try to find a golfing kind of equivalent to, to show what it is. Um, but I think that kind of shows it. And, you know, obviously there's different forms of that. There's, there's the big plastic waste that you see, um, you know, marine life getting entangled in. Um, you see the plastic bags that are kind of choking coral reefs and, and, and making that kind of habitat more susceptible to, to disease. But that kind of visible plastic that you see, that's only 1% of the plastic that's actually getting into the ocean. The other 99% is microplastics um, that, you, you, that you can't see, but they are literally everywhere across um, sort of top to bottom of the water column. They're in the, the deepest ocean sediment um, and they're on the top of Mount Everest. You know, that microplastics are literally everywhere. Um, What's a microplastic? What do you mean by that? That's they're, just they, they, they're so small they can get ingested into like their flesh of animals and, and things. Exactly, like that. yeah. It's it's basically just plastic. Um, it does break down, but it doesn't. You know, not 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 in the sense that it breaks down to, to be nothing. It just breaks down to smaller and smaller pieces, um, and then you end up with basically a microplastic. Which, yeah, exactly that, um, and it ends up causing sort of chemical. Um, pollution effectively and you get bioaccumulation in, in marine life where 
you know, we are eating plastic. If, 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 you, if you're eating fish, you are eating microplastics. I think, you know, one study said that the average person eats around 6,000 particles of, of, of microplastic every year um, because they're consuming fish from the ocean. Um, so it's it, it's a huge issue, both um, the impact it's having on, on marine life, but then also, you know, if people are, are less focused on animals and marine life, um, you know, the damage it's doing to coral reefs, that's, you know, that's a, the coral reefs kind of support 500 million people across the world when it comes to, to, to jobs. And, um, you know, that's $6 trillion worth of, um, you know, of value there that, that that's being, that's being threatened by plastic pollution. So even if people aren't particularly bothered about, you know, um, about the, about the wildlife, the, the economic impact of it is, is huge as well. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I can I can waffle on about plastic pollution uh, <laughs> for a long time. So you, you have to stop me, but well, I will. But only because <clears throat> I reckon most of us don't ever give it a thought. For, and if nothing else, Ed, finally on the upside, finally my dis- my, my, my dislike of seafood and never eating it has proved to be a positive because generally it's just been a pain in the bum with everyone telling me how good it is and what I'm missing out on. So I'm not eating plastic, and the rest of you are. So there you go. Good luck for that. Isn't the problem you just Ed, that out halfway through that question, Rod? But did I? Know. Oh, I don't eat seafood. That's the uh, that's the key to it. Uh, so I don't have to ingest the plastic. Uh, I guess the the bigger point, Ed, is this: we're talking about the humble golf tee, but really it's just it's really an illustration of something much bigger, isn't it? And that notion that you talked about of people on the first tee perhaps discussing or oh, why you're using those weird tees is the start of something potentially much bigger, isn't it? Because the skeptics will point and go, "Well, yes, so he's made bamboo tees. How much of the problem is that going to solve?" And that's legitimate in some ways, isn't it? But it misses the broader point. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this this for me is the this is the start of the conversation. Um, what 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 I really want to do is see ma- is major changes across individual golf clubs and then and, and organisations and the tours as well, um, and see changes being made there uh, to address plastic pollution. One of the one of the things that we do um, is we support a lot of charities. Um, that are either focused on marine conservation or uh, focus on promoting sustainability in golf. Um, now, this is really important to me because the way I want it, I, I want this to work is that if we partner with with a tournament, say, or we were lucky enough to support a European Tour event um, in January, and, and hopefully we'll be at some more when that gets going again. Um, we want to be able to actually provide our charity partners with a platform at those events to speak to golfers. We want to, in the build-up to the tournaments, we want to get junior golf societies together in the local area to come and talk about plastic pollution. Um, so we want to basically give the experts access to the golfing market um, so that we can spark interest and create a bit of a buzz around sustainability. Um, and that is equally why we work you know, with the Geo Foundation on the on the sustainable golf side to to try and, and, and help golf clubs understand the differences that they can make and the changes they can make. Um, so from a kind of a brand perspective, I want Ocean Tea to become something um, which, you know, yeah, we make teas and we're making clothing now, but it's really about sustainability generally and, and, and trying to, trying to change uh, the way that golf is working at the moment. Because I think, I mean, golf has the unique opportunity that it's, you know, it's a global sport with a massive audience, uh, but it's played on a huge amount of land. Um, And it's one of the main criticisms that people have about golf is that, um, you know, you're, you're taking away a lot of habitats. You're overly um, manicuring, uh, you know, fairways and, 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 and you're, dyeing the color of water in lakes and you're painting grass green and you know, you're pumping bird sound into, uh, into venues because there's no wildlife there. And that may be true in some cases, but in reality, you've got a massive area of land to do some really good and, mm. and cool things with. Um, and lots of clubs are doing that now. Um, and I want those clubs to be celebrated and I want them, people to be talking about it and, and other clubs to follow suit. Basically, I think we've got a huge opportunity to do, do some very cool things and, paint golf in a in an incredibly modern forward thinking um light. You've walked right into exactly the sorts of things that we talk about here, Adrian, don't we? And that notion that 
the humble golf tee might start the conversation that changes somebody's behaviour in other areas. Once made aware of the plastic problem, just listening to Ed this morning, you, you, like I said, you're vaguely aware of a plastic problem, but you hear that, and when you go up to the shop a bit later, you give that some thought, don't you? And if there's something, if there's two products, yeah. one's wrapped in plastic and one isn't, I'm now likely to go for the one not in plastic. I'll even at least think about it, yeah? <laughs> Absolutely, and and I think it's important with these sustainability topics to have a very clear message because it can be very confusing for people when they, they hear contradictory information. Uh, like with the, you know, shopping plastic bags thing, you know, is a uh, these really tough reusable plastic bags we get, it, people start to use them in a sort of disposable way and that can be even worse and you've got to reuse them 100 times or is it 150 times or 200 times and yeah. the other ones are better if you actually use them for landfill or something. Like there's all sorts of con- contradictory evidence, like contradictory information with those ones and on, on the whole, I think, you know, we've all improved a lot as a society with that one. However, this one, there's just no ambiguity at all. Like bamboo teas, uh, where they're sourced from and where they, you know, their end of life, where they just break up on the ground uh, compared to a plastic tea, there, there's no ambiguity about that. Yeah. I, I like that. That's a very clear mm. message. And uh, if, if we could package up all sort of sustainable information with such a clear outcome where one is clearly better than the other, that I think we'd be in a lot better it's- situation but not always in the interests of those pushing it's great as well yeah there's not not always in the interest <laughs> clear messaging is not always in the interests of certain uh people who are on different sides of the discussion i wonder ed the first thing that comes to mind for me is what sort of reaction have you had for all sorts of ridiculous reasons as humans and as golfers we get attached to something and immediately resist the notion that we should try something else have you come across much of that from golfers and then the next questions will be skeptically how much does it cost and do they last as long as the other teas? Am I going to be forking out? Am I now going to be spending thousands of dollars on teas every year just so that a fish in Madagascar can be happy? <laughs> um, well, the I mean, the, 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 on the on the kind of price point, um, they're the, they're very similar price to a normal pack of wooden teas, um, slightly more expensive possibly, but we argue that they last um, notes, uh, noticeably longer. Um, so on that front, um, you're not going to be forking out thousands of dollars on teas. Um, from the from the reaction point of view, it's been sort of overwhelmingly positive so far. To be honest, um, we've had a lot of a lot of clubs. I, I think. I mean, we started in a relatively safe space where there aren't many people who are loyal to a, a golf tea brand. I think a lot of people couldn't even name a golf tea brand. No. So, um, from that position, we were we were we were kind of off to a bit of a winner. Um, and I think people, you know, I like to think that people, you know, understand um, a lot more than you know people often get given credit for. So, um, I, I'm, I've always been very open and transparent with the reasons why we're doing things. Um, Transparency is one of the main kind of pillars of our of our brand, and 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 you'll see that on you know on our website we talk exactly about where everything comes from, where it's sourced from, the logistics, get it from A to B, how it's packaged, how it's treated, uh, the dyes that we use, the inks that we use, you know, because we almost want people to um, to come to us and 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 pick a bit a bit, a bit of an argument because it you know. Either will it'll make it'll make the point that you know this tea is different and actually this will this will have an impact, or we'll be like oh yeah you know, that guy's right we we need to address that part of the business and we need to improve, um, so that I mean so yeah the reception from individuals and from clubs and from the tours to be honest has been sort of overwhelmingly positive so far, mm. um, but I think I think on the um, on the point that Adrian was making on you know packaging up the information. Um, I completely agree, and I think again that's why the tea was a good first mm. product to choose. But um, you know, as we are moving on to different to, onto different products now, and a, a main aim of the brand is going to be to always use an alternative, sustainable material that possibly hasn't been used in the golf industry before, um, especially with the apparel range, because we want to be able to support and showcase new innovations, uh, new you know. The companies that are putting in the hard work doing the R&D to find and create new sustainable fabrics or materials or manufacturing processes, we want to use those 
talk about them, create a product, um, you know, a really high quality golf product from it to show that you don't need to use a lot of synthetic fabrics or whatever it might be. Um, and then present that to the golfing market for the first time. And in doing that, it's going to be difficult to, um, you know, to explain exactly what that's, what the science is behind that each time. But that's something that we've decided to do and, and have this kind of different sustainable story for each product. Um, and we're going to tell that as transparently as we can in the hope that people either start to copy us, that would be ideal, mm-hmm. um, or they come to us and say, well, yeah, you're saying you're using this biodegradable elastane, but have you thought about this? Or have you seen this company doing that? And ultimately, as long as we're supporting these innovators throughout the process, then maybe the next thing they develop will be the thing which really changes, um, you know, changes apparel or, or whatever it might yeah. be. So, um, yeah. Just give us an idea, Ed. What what is the go with the apparel? As you said, part of the reason I, I sort of found you this past week is I think you've just launched the apparel brand. I saw something about it on Twitter and then I did a bit more digging around and saw the connection with Ocean Tees, which I think I'd heard of previously. I won't promise that, but I think I'd heard of the Ocean Tea uh, brand name before. So what is it with the apparel and what's different about it? Why should people sort of think about buying it? Yeah, so the the apparel, I mean, this was again tied to the um, the, the sort of plastic pollution um, direction of the brand. Uh, One thing we wanted to address was the amount of synthetic fabrics being used in golf gear, um, basically polyesters and, and nylon and so on, they are effectively plastic. They're made from oil. Um, you know, over 60% of all garments in the world now are made from synthetic fabrics uh, that won't biodegrade, that do end up. Um, you know, when you wash a polyester polo shirt in, the, your, in a normal washing machine, uh, microfibers are released that go into the water. They, they can go through water treatment plants without getting picked up and they get pumped into the ocean. Um, so that is where a lot of these microplastics are coming from. It is textile, it's washing textiles, synthetic textiles. Um, so even if you've got a, a polo shirt made from recycled polyester, if you're then putting that in the washing machine, you know, repetitive times, you are adding to the microplastic. Um, waste which is going into the ocean effectively so a lot of that is things that I don't think that many people were sort of aware of so we wanted to look at well can we create garments that are you know organic that are biodegradable but that then have the same performance that a synthetic garment might it has the same stretch or it has the same breathability um, so it performs as a golf garment but it has the sustainable credentials behind it um, so that was the main main idea behind the clothing um, and as i said you know we, we want each story each each product we have to have a different story so that we're, we're kind of showcasing these different techniques um so the, the the first um first product we've got is our mako polo shirt um so this is a it's a blend of organic cotton and and biodegradable elastane so we're using um the sort of only worldwide certified non-toxic um Elastane, uh, so that is giving our our um, our polo shirt the the stretch that it needs, so it supports. You know, it doesn't impede your swing at all. Uh, the organic cotton gives the comfort, the breathability, um, the kind of luxury look, I suppose. Um, and ultimately, it's up competing against your kind of polyester polo shirts. Um, and it's yeah, it's been. It's been a really exciting journey doing that. We've we, we've um, been out to visit. Uh, obviously, the factory that we're using is in Europe. It's the only factory in the world to have met the procurement standards set by Greenpeace. Um, so that covers everything from the fi- uh, the organic farming to transparency over fair pay um, within the factory itself. It uses non toxic dyes. Um, you know, all the logistics, the packaging, um, all of that's been looked at as well. So. We, we're, we're trying to show that there is a there is a way to make quality golf gear um, that is sustainable um, without costing the environment, but also without a ridiculous price tag as well, because we want this to become um, a new normal effectively. Yeah. When you say biodegradable, if I take one of your shirts and chuck it in my garden, what happens to it? Does it turn into soil eventually? It, uh, yeah, it would do. Yeah, it, it, it would break down. Um, so... <laughs> Obviously, it won't do that um, if, you, if you're, um, you know, if you're using it day to day and you're washing it as normal in, in, a, in a washing machine. But if you if you left it in a in a compost and you yeah. submerged it 
under soil in the right heat and so on, it would biodegrade over right time. Yeah. Go back. Uh, I come back to it, Adrian. These are bigger messages than golf, aren't they? Uh, indeed, yeah. There's, yeah. It's it's all about that awareness, isn't it? Mm. And if these products are kind of a standout, then they can uh, begin a conversation, can't they? Yeah, uh, indeed. So, Ed, uh, I think the price is an important part of that as well. It's sixty pounds for yeah. for this shirt, which is remarkably cheap for. for well, it's comparable, isn't it? To the, it, it's exactly. I mean, it's you know a lot cheaper than a lot of shirts mm. you'll see hanging in your pro shop. Yeah, indeed. Which is remarkable. Are you in it for the money, Ed? Is that what this is about? Is Ed Sanderson going to get rich and buy his own island off the naive people buying all these sustainable shirts and tees? What's it What's it about? <laughs> the, the tea empire. Yeah, that's right. Well. I'm always reminded of that, that scene from Cocktail where Tom Cruise is holding the umbrella from the cocktail and he's like, whoever makes these is a billionaire. Do you realise that? I, the little ends on the shoelaces is the other one, isn't it? opportunity all my life. Yeah. I reckon golf tees are very similar to the little cocktail Great umbrellas. Call. That, uh, Great call. That. Yeah, I should take a photo of me doing that, use that as my profile. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, for me, I, uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I really enjoy running a business. You know, I've worked in, in, in finance um, for 10 years after working in, 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 in conservation. So it's, you know, I do enjoy running a business, but ultimately we're, you know, we're giving away 25% of all of our profits to start with anyway to, to the charities I mentioned earlier. Um, so clearly it's not all about making profit to me. Um, ultimately what I want to do is build a brand that, lasts that survives i'm not um you know i'm not looking to create a company that then in two years time you know i've sold um i want to build something that actually becomes an established brand in golf um and i want you know when you ask people sort of anywhere in the world to name a sustainable golf brand i'd like them to say ocean tea so that that that's my aim i i want to build that build that brand in golf but then also support these um support these charities and be able to work on um, kind of tangible initiatives with them, so we can say that we worked on that on this particular project, or uh, you know, funds motion T helped to support this piece of research, or we organised these educational initiatives across however many schools and um, you know, in however many countries. So that's how I will um, sort of gauge the success of how Ocean T is doing. It's um, you know, it's the conversations that are starting. It's a number of golf clubs that are banning plastic tees. Um, it's a number of charities that are um, starting new initiatives or creating new bits of research with the funds that we've we've provided to them. Lots of people in lots of industries would tell you and probably have told you, Ed, that you are clearly naive. This is child stuff. We can't have it all in the world. We can't all be happy and have a planet that we're not raping and pillaging as we go. I'm sure you would have heard that. What do you say to those people? Um. I think a lot of those people are probably saying that from a position um, of influence, effectively, where that if, if there were significant changes, it would probably impact their lives or their or their jobs potentially. Um, I think this this is that kind of eternal optimist, I guess, coming through again. But um, I think you've got to try to do these things. You've got to support the research. You've got to um, you've got to have an appreciation for the impact that we are having. And and trying and trying to address it and change it. Um, I don't think just saying, well, you know, we need energy, so we've got to get some oil out. You know, you've got to. I think you need to be more proactive and positive and and, and open to these to these changes. Um, but I, 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 I yeah, I, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people who have those views, and um, you know, it doesn't take everybody um, to get behind this. You just need to make something. Um, that works, that is, that's commercial. So again, the, you're talking about the price of the polo shirt. Commercially, it makes sense. It's, it's a good quality product. So why wouldn't someone buy it if they're, if they're looking at one option versus my option um, and it's the same price um, and mine's got the, the sustainable story behind it? Why wouldn't they buy it? Mm. I, I, I tend to agree, the, yeah. yeah. The hope. <laughs> and, and it's that notion. It always staggers me, people who don't understand the finite resource idea. It's like, well, we need oil and we need yeah. – con- yeah, we, we, at the moment we do. But here's the thing. It's going to run out at some point. Now, it might not be next week and it might not be next year, but it is going to happen. And this demand that you must come to the table 
with an all-encompassing, ready-made, packaged-up solution that can just replace coal and oil overnight. And if you don't do that, then you're a nut job. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? And that seems to be the state of play. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That which is why it's okay to to try and and fail as well. Yeah. I, I'm quite looking forward to getting. Um, you know, as our products, the hate mail, and, and, uh, <laughs> the hate mail from the yeah. doubters pointing out where you're not doing it right. <laughs> exactly, but that's but that's good. That's uh-huh. I mean, that means they've gone to the trouble mm-hmm. to look at why ocean tea isn't a good product. If they're doing that, they're researching, they're learning more. Um, <laughs> hopefully, they'll find out that it is a good product. But if they have recommendations, then we, you know, I'd love to hear them. And you know, we are going to try and support as many different. Um, you know, sustainable fabrics, materials, processes as possible. So, um, you know, we are opening ourselves up just by talking exactly about our supply chain mm. and how we do things. We're opening ourselves up to criticism, but people should come and criticize and, and just come with a recommendation. And that's what I would say. Yeah, indeed. That, of course, uh, what we've been talking about is really big picture stuff. You can't get much more first world than golf. So let's dive back into some of the first world issues. Way back in the beginning, you touched on something which has been a theme of the podcast that Adrian and I have been doing for the last couple of years, which is this notion that golf has an image problem outside of golf, much of it of our own making, and we don't do enough to sell the good things about golf to people whose image of it is that it is some of the things that you outlined, that it's environmentally irresponsible, that it's only for certain sectors of society, that it takes up enormous amounts of land that could be productively used for something else instead. Within golf, there's an awful lot of people who aren't on board with the notion that golf has an image problem. It feels to me like Mm -hmm. this is the sort of thing that can be a conversation starter, doing something positive for people realising, well, you know what? Golf doesn't have to have this, but we, we in golf can do more to make ourselves look better. Does that make sense what I'm talking about? I don't think it does, but I'm trying to make a point. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that I think that does make sense. I think um to be honest, I've I've been very um I've been sort of really surprised like pleasantly surprised about the how open a lot of people have been um to talking to me um and and to and to making changes. I mean um, the tours, the um, you know, the, the, the PGA Euro Pro Tour was the first, which is sort of a development tour in the UK, was was the first tour to get in, in contact um, with me, and then that's followed on to the European tour, and, and and everyone wants to listen to what I've got to say, and I think they're fully aware about the, you know, they know about this image issue that 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 golf does have, and and addressing that, and ultimately, as golfers, we all want to see the game do well we all want to see participation mm. numbers increase and we want golf clubs to you know to have more members so that they're doing well and, and they're, they're not struggling they're not having to close um so i think that yeah we all have a, a vested interest and in i think i've only come across a few clubs um that you know just weren't in, flat out just weren't interested um and said you know members won't be interested in this and they were the you know, possibly the clubs you would guess expect. would do that. With. <laughs> yeah, the slightly more, um, possibly more, you know, more established, well-known clubs. So it's, it's I think it's changing. Um, and I think, I, I hope that those conversations you were talking about um, on the tee, you know, if members are having those conversations mm. or, or guests or whoever's playing at the courses, the people running the clubs will hear those eventually. Um, so... Uh, and I, I must say again that uh, you know, 99% of everyone I've spoken to have been really positive about this thing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's ideal product, isn't it, Adrian? It's non-controversial. If, if, if you suddenly removed all of the clothing from the shop and replaced it with uh, Ed's product in one, there'd be all sorts of problems. But tees are going to be less controversial. And, and Ed, do the people normally have the tees side by side or do, do some clubs just literally get rid of all the plastic tees and only stock the ocean tea? Um combination um so we've had a we we did something called the ocean tea crowd um in the uk which was an initiative where if we got enough clubs to sign up um to sort of uh removing plastic teas altogether from their club we would give them you know a season's worth of teas at a, at a sort of heavily discounted price wow. so we had um a lot of clubs sign up to that where they have completely completely removed plastic teas um, and plastic packaging um but we also have some other clubs that are kind of trialing it next to, you know, next to the other 
mm-hmm. um, next next to the Placentes as well. Um, you know, it's still a very new business. It's still a new product. So um, I'm hoping that once the clubs kind of get rid of their current stock, effectively, they'll they'll, they'll just have our product there. Yeah. Um, but it's a real it's a real mixture now, and I think um, I'm happy for our teas to be next to. Uh, other teas because I think they stand out. Just the box alone stands out to be so different that um, they, I think they're capturing the attention already. Yeah, indeed, the little matchbox is great, isn't it? And I, for one, would just be glad to be rid of the plastic things. Where it works great first time, a little plastic bag for a tea, where you puncture the bag with a tea to get that tea out, and then that little hole allows other teas to escape. But after a while, you go into your bag and you just you, you get a hand like you can you can punch your hand just trying to grab your little bag of teas. Yeah, but, uh, this, these matchboxes are really classy as well. Um, Absolutely, I mean that, that's that's one of the reasons why uh, where that idea came from as well. We, we wanted something that would be you know it would be it would it would fit in your hand, but it would keep your teas kind of organised and easily accessible. Because I've done that so many times where you're reaching into the bottom of your bag to find your last tea. And the spike goes right up under your nail. Under the fingernail. Every golfer in the world is nodding in in sympathy with you, and every one of us has done it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, So this box will, this box, if if nothing else, this box will stop. Yeah. We'll stop that happening. So, yeah, there's there's your marketing point there. (laughs) Just on bamboo itself, Ed, it's a bit of a wonder product, isn't it, that we've kind of ignored? Uh, for a lot of years in Western society, you mentioned some of the uses that people have for bamboo. It's a it's the predominant scaffolding material, as I understand it, in many parts of Asia. Incredibly yeah. strong, remarkably flexible, and very versatile. We see it now being used. I think the bamboo pillow now, in the last few years, has become really sort of popular. It's an extraordinary resource, isn't it, shoots bamboo? And as you said, as well. Sorry, bamboo it's bamboo shoots are delicious. Is that actual bamboo? <laughs> bamboo shoots, or is that just a name? No, there it's, it's actual bamboo. It is actual bamboo. Oh, there you go. And they're delicious as well, Ed. That's quite the remarkable <laughs> material, isn't it? A, a little bit like hemp is the world starting to realise that some of these natural resources can compete and outcompete the notion of synthetics in many ways if we just turn our minds to using them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think I think that's definitely the case. Um, especially as people are, you know, as there are more restrictions and 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 um, regulations put on the way that we are going to be um, e- even creating the synthetic um, products. Then people will, you know, the price, the cost of doing that is going to increase. So there, you you bring in the because normally it, it was always cost. You know, it was cheaper to make something from plastic or cheaper to make um, something from polyester than looking at a looking at a, a different mm-hmm. kind of more sustainable material. But I think as the prices of making the products from sustainable materials come down and as regulations increase on the on the other sort of side of the argument you're kind of meeting at the middle now and i think people are thinking well actually you know maybe it does make sense to use that fabric or or or, or to make it that way um and i think that being combined with uh, a bit more kind of consumer awareness um and uh kind of an appreciation for that kind of buy less, buy better um, slogan. I, th- I think hopefully we, we're getting to the point now where a lot of these um, fabrics uh, will, will maybe get their, their sort of time to shine. In the bigger picture, Ed, does this pandemic help or hurt you and what you're trying to achieve beyond just the sales of products? Is it making people think about some of this stuff in an environment where it Previously, we haven't had time, we tell ourselves, to think about anything because we're all too busy doing stuff. We haven't been busy doing stuff, have we? Does that help or hurt you? I think there's, I think, I think there's two parts to that. Um, the first part is that w- one of the main things I've noticed from being – we've just been told, actually, that we can play golf in two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we've been locked down now for seven and a half, eight weeks, I think. Um, and the one thing I've really missed is, is being outside – and being with my kind of mates or my family. Um, and what better way of doing that than playing golf? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think golf could actually have a real, um, hopefully a sort of resurgence in, um, you know, maybe people who, who were members that kind of packed it in or, or, or people coming to the game for the first time. I, I'm quite positive that golf could have a bit of spike in, in numbers and interest now. Um, so that's kind of that side to it i think the bit about people becoming more environmentally aware i, I, I think 
I don't know. I mean, I hope so. I mean, there's obviously been some unbelievable images of the, uh, you know, the the pollution um, mm-hmm. levels dropping and, you know, the, the water in Venice is running clear now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got all these amazing you know, animals um, running down high streets and there's <laughs> just incredible videos and, and photos and, and, and information that's available. So hopefully that will that, that will make people think a little bit more about the impact that we do have, um, the direct impact and possibly the immediate impact as well because a lot of this you think, well, there's not, nothing I can do about it. You know, it's going to be 50 years, 100 years away before anything, you know, any, any kind of um, anything bad happens. But I think people can see, well, actually, if we stop doing something for even, a, you know, a few months, you can see an immediate impact. So maybe this is something we should be addressing. So maybe from that perspective, people will um, will start thinking more about the uh, about the products they're buying and, um, you know, the way they, they are living their life. But, um yeah, I mean, it definitely can't do any harm. Mm. It, it feels to me, Adrian, that this is one of those classic examples where you can sort of think global, act local. It's a sort of saying to fall back on. It can be very easy yeah. to just get bleak about the world, can't it, Adrian? If you really look around, there's lots of bad stuff. It's easy to just go, well, as Ed says there, hands up apathetically. There is nothing I can do about any of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think you raised the point earlier, Rod, and, and Ed talked to it as well, that – uh, taking on these environmental issues isn't a matter of waiting for some, it's not, you know, fusion reactors will come, you know, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in science and, you know, I think we should be using more nuclear power at the moment and, um, uh, and you know, in time there will be technologies that replace that which are, which are safer. And, uh, but in the meantime, you've got to be actually trying everything uh, and that, that goes from these very small, little initiatives that you can do of just using your own, uh, you know, bamboo teas and then word spreads about those and that becomes a big thing. And then, uh, you know, reusing plastic, the shopping bags at the thing, you, you've actually got to be doing all of these things at the moment, including some solar power and wind power mm. and all sorts of things. None of those are necessarily going to solve it for everything, but the combination of things at the moment is, is all we've got. And, uh, if we don't get started doing all of those things all at once right now, then, um, you know, things are just going to get gradually worse. And in time, there will be better technologies, but we'll still have to be in that habit of of doing everything in every part of our life that we can possibly be doing yeah. to uh, to look after the environment. Indeed. The, the naysayers about this sort of stuff. It's not a problem that will take care of itself. No, that's right. It, it always strikes me the naysayers of this these, these sorts of things, Ed, are, are people who remind me of the old saying that, any donkey can kick a door down, but it takes a carpenter to build one. If you're not coming with some <laughs> sort of a solution or adding to the solution, then probably best you don't contribute, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I haven't heard that. That's a fan of my favourite. Any donkey can kick a door down, but only a carpenter can build one. So it's uh, yeah. it's a nice idea. Finally, yeah, there's it's a whole bunch cheers. of – sorry. There's a whole bunch of stuff, oh, obviously, cheers. to business, etc. What's the marketing plan for – Ocean Tea Golf, is it going to be the new PXG? Are we suddenly going to be swamped with players wearing Mako shirts? What's the – how do you get the product and the message – Sexist advertising like out there. PXG? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, we're not taking any – PXG are not on board, but, you know, that disruptive sort of force that came into the golf world a few years ago. Is that is that the plan for Ocean Tea Golf? And what's – it feels to me like you've kind of got a bunch of altruistic reasons for doing this and being able to making a living out of it at the same time is a bit of a bonus. Is that true? And is that enough to drive it to where it, the world kind of needs it to go to, or if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, absolutely – I want the business to grow uh, to the point that we have, um, you know, we have our full product range in, you know, every corner, every corner of the globe effectively. So um, we are looking to hire people who will be growing the team. I think our main, um, you know, as I said, I want, I want this to become a brand that is up there as one of the recognized golf brands. Um, So that is going to involve building, um, a bit of a corporate machine, but hopefully that machine will, um, it's kind of embedded in the values that um, sustainability is, is, is at our core um, and kind of promoting and driving that change is, is kind of what we're all about. Um, the marketing side, uh, <laughs> the way I would love the business to grow and, and the way it was looking uh, to be going towards was uh, to get the, to get the tools involved and, um, 
would be major for us. Um, and that was starting to happen, obviously, until the lockdown. And now there's uh, no, there are no events taking place. But hopefully that's not too far away. Uh, but if we can get at these events, we can get talking to people. Um, we can get hopefully a few players using them. You know, that would be great. Um, but I think it's that kind of exposure at events and, and at clubs directly. We're going to try and grow that. Um, grow that customer base that way, I think. We've seen some initiatives with professional golf, haven't we? I noticed in Australia this past year, I sorted a couple of tournaments where the, the organisers handed out the reusable thermos-style water bottles to the yeah. players and no big bins of plastic bottles of water on the tees for the players and the caddies. It all came out of a – there was a tap on a, a big sort of a fridge, you know, esky-style box, as we call it. You, know, you, you refilled your bottle as you went. It's a small thing again, but I know our old mate Haggis – Adrian is a big proponent of plastic water bottles, in particularly on golf courses. Uh, people just constantly uh, throwing <laughs> well, plastic. Obviously, can't get enough plastic water bottles. No, 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 no. There's too many. He's, oh, he's, there's too many. Yeah, okay. absolutely. He's he's very much in the camp that use I think less he's plastic. He's going to be hating most of this podcast. <laughs> no, I think, no, I think he'll actually be on board. He's a funny one, I guess. He's got some. Okay. He's got all sorts of strange ideas. He might be so keen on the renewable energy arguments, but he will be quite keen on the idea of. Well, I'm, of, I'm, uh, let him know I'm all for nuclear energy as well. Listen, so. well, what I listen to, I listen. Uh, here's a heads up. I listened to a fantastic podcast I just discovered a few weeks ago called. John and the Future Noughts. It's a British comedian called John Richardson, who you probably know, Ed, from Made Out of Ten Cats Does Countdown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's doing this fantastic podcast, which is not really comedy. It's quite funny, but it, it it's with a guy called Ed Gillespie, who you probably know, Ed, um, yeah. sort of an environmentalist, climate change. And the other guy is Mark, whose name escapes me. Anyway, look it up. John and the Future Noughts. It is fantastic stuff. And they talk about all this sort of stuff uh, and the social contract being broken and – you know, ways of a bit, a bit like yourself, Ed. Actually, thinking of ways that can make this stuff work. Not just saying, "Well, this is wrong," but there are other ways to do things that can work as well. Which is kind of what you've done, uh, and that's important stuff. So, uh, they talk about a lot of this sort of thing uh, on there as well. So, you, I think you'd enjoy that one in particular, Ed. Great, but they yeah. say on there, Adrian, I reckon Ed Gillespie must have said it three times in the last one. Fu- nuclear fusion is always thirty years away. It will be the saviour eventually, but it's always 30 years away. <laughs> Every time you ask, it's, it's, it's 10, 30 years away. Year horizon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not going to be uh, an overnight success. So anyway, that's uh, a plug for their podcast, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, for your own purposes, Ed, just keep in mind, I'm pretty sure Rory's Nike contract is up in 2023. You signed in 2013 for 10 years. So, you know, you want to get some exposure for the brand. Uh, lots of people like Rory. So who knows? We might see Rory in Mako gear. It'd be a good place to start, yeah. <laughs> I, think he, I think he was on 20 mil a year for those 10 years. It was 200 mil for the 10 years. So you know what your target is. Well, that's the baseline now. <laughs> Maybe that'll go up when he renegotiates. But you know roughly where you've got to be to be in the ball game. So best yeah. of luck with that. Eddie Pepperell would be a great spokesperson for Ocean Team. Pepperell would be fantastic. In fact, there's a number of players. If you were looking to go that way, I would look towards women's golf. Uh, the mm. players are desperate for money. They're interested in fashion. More, well, not more so. That's probably not true to say anymore. Uh, but there would be, I would think, a number of players interested in partnering on both men's and women's golf. But women, in particular, they, they, you know, the numbers are much smaller in women's golf than they are in men's golf for a startup company like yours. If you were looking to go that way, uh, and that would be, I think, a good thing. They play all over the world. The ladies' European tour comes here to Australia, plays five or six events at the start of the year with players from all over the world. So. I think professional golf yeah. can probably be a good, uh, a good, a good fit for you. Ed, it's been fab- fabulous to talk to you. I'll, we'll, we'll let you go for the moment, but I think we'll probably get you back at some point. Congratulations on getting it this far. Where can people uh, in Australia get both the Ocean Tees and the new apparel that you've just launched this last week or two? So, if they go to oceanteegolf.com, um, that's our website. Everything's up on there, um, and then they can follow us on at Ocean Tea Golf on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And all of that sort of stuff. Do you have any specific Australian distributors? I'm not sure if I've seen the. I recall maybe a decade ago some sustainable teas being released, and they were hopeless. You hit them once, and they <laughs> broke. So they kind of didn't fulfil. You, know, you had to buy ten packets of them a month uh, to work with them. That was some time ago. But do you have a distributor here in Australia, or not as yet? We don't. No. We don't as of yet. But that okay. is something we are looking yeah. at at the moment. So I'd be very interested if people want to get in contact. Please feel free. All right, there'll be links in the show notes to where you can find Ed and Ocean Tea and all that sort of stuff and send him an email. But it's been fabulous to chat today, my friend. Thank you for taking some time. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. No, fantastic. And Adrian, uh, always good to chat with you. And uh, I rec- highly recommend people go and read your evisceration of the match logo on your website. We'll put yeah. the link to that in the show notes as well. Brilliant stuff Serving again. Serving of ridicule. It's, it's well, it, yeah. <laughs> let people enjoy it for themselves. It's a wonderful thing to allow wash over you as, uh, as you read Adrian's critique of what's been done on the logo for the match. But thanks for chatting to us today, mate. Always good to have you along. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Ed. Indeed. Cheers. Thank you. Episode 31 done and dusted. Back with episode 32 of the Good Good Golf Podcast next week. Good.